A Solution for World Peace, 1922. We hear a great deal of talk about world peace today. Wilson of America, Lloyd George of England, Clemenceau of France a few years ago prophesied at Versailles a reign of peace. Up to the present, many of the leading statesmen of the world have pledged themselves to a programme of world peace. Many conferences have been held, political as well as industrial, for the purpose of settling the question of peace. But up to now, none of them has laid the foundation for a real peace, for a lasting peace. The peace of the world cannot be settled by political conferences or by industrial conferences only. If we are to have a world peace, it will only come when a great interracial conference is called, when Jew will meet Gentile, when Anglo-Saxon will meet Teuton, when the great Caucasian family will meet the Mongolian, and when all will meet the Negro, and then they straighten out their differences that have kept us apart for hundreds of years and will continue to keep us apart until doomsday. If something is not done to create better racial understanding, if white men continue to exploit yellow men, if white men continue to exploit black and brown men, if yellow men continue to exploit brown and black men, then all we can look forward to is a reign of wars and rumours of wars. So long as Anglo-Saxons oppress Indians, so long as the French exploit the black race, so long as the Russian murders the Jew, so long will the calls for war be found, and so long will man continue to fight and kill his brother. If England wants peace, if France wants peace, I suggest to them to pack up their bag and baggage and clear out of Africa, because Africa is in the future will be to them what Europe has been for the last 300 years, a hotbed of wars, political intrigues and upheavals, and Europe has changed many a time politically. Once the great Napoleon ruled, the Tsars ruled, and until but recently the German eagle was the symbol of fear. Today England stands out as the most brilliant star in the European political constellation. But what of tomorrow? Africa with her threatened upheaval will produce the same conditions in another century as Europe has done in the past. Can we not see what we are marching headlong into the abyss of eternal destruction? Can we not realise that we are not laying the foundation of peace? Can we not realise that we are but provoking the sleeping passions of the races? How long do you believe that 400 million Negroes will allow themselves to be exploited by alien races, robbed and murdered? Just so long until the truth is brought home to them, and then will be sleeping. And then when the sleeping giant awakens, even like Samson, he may bring down the pillars of the temple. The War of 1914-18 has created a new sentiment throughout the world. Once upon a time, weaker peoples were afraid of expressing themselves, of giving vent to their feelings. But today, no oppressed race or nation is afraid of speaking out in the cause of liberty. Egypt has spoken, Ireland has spoken, Poland has spoken, and Poland is free. Egypt is free, Ireland is also free. Africa is now speaking, and if for 750 years Irish women found perseverance enough to have carried the cause of freedom on and on until they won, then 400 million Negroes are prepared to carry on the fight for African liberty, even if it takes us to the seat of the Most High. Yes, if it takes us until Judgment Day, we shall fight the cause on and on without relenting. The world may scoff at us, the world may deride us, but there have been many surprises for the world before. And there will be many more. Englishmen scoffed at the colonists when they agitated for independence in America, but their scoffs and derisions did not prevent George Washington from giving us the glorious stars and stripes. Men laughed at the propaganda of Tolstoy. The Tsar himself impugned the idea of a more liberal Russia, but today Lenin and Trotsky rule. 
Yes, the Louis laughed at the propaganda of the liberals of France, but the French monarchy is no more. Today Frenchmen take pride in the new democracy of France, so that others may laugh at us today, because we are agitating the question of a free and independent Africa. But tomorrow, who knows, Africa will loom up as the greatest republic in the world. God as a warlord. God is a bold sovereign, a warrior lord. The God we worship and adore is a God of war as well as a God of peace. He does not allow anything to interfere with his power and authority. The greatest battle ever fought was not between the Kaiser of Germany on the one hand and the Allied powers on the other. It was between the Almighty God on the one hand and Lucifer the Archangel on the other. When Lucifer challenged God's power in heaven and marshalled his forces on the plains of paradise, the God we worship and adore also marshalled his forces, his archangels, his cherubims and his seraphims, and in battle array he placed himself before them with the royal standard of heaven. He faced the opposing general Lucifer with his hordes in the battle plains of heaven, and there the great war began. The whole universe shook as the battle raged between the two opposing forces, and as God the Creator gained the upper hand on Lucifer, what did he do? Did he hoist the white flag of peace? No, God Almighty, God the Omnipotent, took hold of Lucifer and flung him from the heights of heaven to the depths of hell, thereby proving that he is a God of war as well as a God of peace. And when anyone transgresses his power, he goes to war in defence of his rights. Man is only a little lower than the angels. The angels are only a little lower than the Creator. But the Creator has bequeathed to angels and to men the same principles, the same policies that govern him as God. And even as he goes to war in defence of his rights, so man goes to war in defence of his rights. I believe with Napoleon, when someone asked him on what side is God, he replied, God is on the side of the strongest battalion. Napoleon was right. He had a true concept of God. God is really on the side of the strongest peoples because God made all men equal and he never gave superior power to anyone, class or group of people over another. And anyone who can get the advantage over another is pleasing God because that is the servant who has taken care of God's command in exercising authority over the world. The image of God. If the white man has the idea of a white God, let him worship his God as he desires. If the yellow man's God is of his race, let him worship his God as he sees fit. We as Negroes have found a new ideal. Whilst our God has no colour, yet it is human to see everything through one's own spectacles, and since the white people have seen their God through white spectacles, we have only now started out late though it be, to see our God through our own spectacles. The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, let him exist for the race that believes in the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. We Negroes believe in the God of Ethiopia, the everlasting God, God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Ghost, the one God of all ages. That is the God in whom we believe, but we should worship him through the spectacles of Ethiopia.